Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 97. Benjamin Yoder here today. Well, actually not here today, kind of. Um, I am out of town this week, so so no news this episode because I'm recording this quite a bit ahead of time. Um, so I thought maybe we'd, uh, similar to, to the last time I was out of town, I talked a lot about, like, you know, my history with the Wii and, you know, kind of what I like about that platform. I thought we'd talk a bit about Castlevania. It's a franchise that, um... <sighs> That I came into, I would say, fairly late in some ways. Uh, my first experience with Castlevania was Symphony of the Night in uh, 1999, something like that. Late 90s. Uh, my my stepdad had the game, oddly enough, which he did very much not up his alley. He, he was more of like a, a uh, or not stepdad, sorry. He was my mom's fiance at the time. Um very much not up his alley in types of games. So I was always surprised that he had it. But uh, I, I played that. I wasn't really familiar with the Castlevania series otherwise. It wasn't something that my uh, my family grew up with around. Um, so it was really my first experience. So I was around like nine, eight, nine years old when I when I played that. And uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't really spend a lot of time with it. I have a, I have a, even today I have a hard time with like longer RPGs. But I, I love them a lot for a lot of reasons. But as a kid, I just kind of, when I fell off of them, I just kind of fell off of them. So, so I didn't spend a lot of time with the series. But, um, but it was, uh, it became pretty important to me around the time of the um, Area of Sorrow. I, I played Area of Sorrow um, after my uncle, me and my uncle traded. I traded Gundam, Gundam, uh, something, something, some uh, Gundam. Battle 20? No, not Battle 22. That's a Dragon Ball Z. Some some fighting game, Gundam game on, on the, the PlayStation. I traded that to him, which I think is uh, very valuable now, <laughs> although I think he traded it off as well, but uh, I, I probably was a mistake. But uh, but yeah, Era of Sorrow kind of kind of converted me over to the, the Castlevania uh, uh, franchise, and I, I have spent a lot of time playing that series since then, uh, not just the Metroidvanias, but a lot of other games in the franchise. So, um, so the the reason this kind of comes up is um, is uh, recently there was a a trademark for Castlevania Anniversary, and I think Australia or New Zealand. I um I and you know I'm recording this way ahead of time, so maybe something's come of this already. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but uh, but I was I. I I think I think re-releasing Castlevania games is something that that there's still some some nice gaps that could probably be be filled. Um, you know the the original Castlevania games uh, always end up on virtual console platforms like that. Um, so you you have Castlevania one through through four typically. I think Castlevania two typically comes out as well. Um, um, and then also. Uh, Rondo of Blood has kind of gotten its, its due diligence. It was released on the PSP a while ago when Dracula X Chronicles came out, and then also it recently had a PS4 release alongside a, a re-release of Symphony of the Night. So, um, and then all the Game Boy Advance games for for Castlevania uh, have ended up on the Wii U Virtual Console at the, v, at the least, which I know the Wii U is not exactly the uh, the platform of choice for many people, <laughs> um, um, but it's a uh, it's a good platform if you want some Castlevania games because there's three great Castlevanias on Game Boy Advance there although harmony of Dis- or harmony of dissonance i think might be one of my least favorite castlevania games overall but there's, there's very fascinating things about that game that game as is um so i think so i think my biggest hope with that castlevania anniversary collection is uh i would love for them to put the ds games out in a collection um the, the ds games don't really have a, a good way to play them outside of that original platform at 
the moment. They haven't been re-released, and I was hoping they would end up on DS Virtual Console for Wii U, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. Uh, and the other thing that I'm, I'm, I would be uh, hoping for a bit is uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, because on the uh, Sega Genesis uh, that game hasn't really been re-released either. I'm not really sure what's up with that. It seems like a you know an easy, easy you know money grab. You know they put out a lot of different Castlevanias that I would say are kind of you know mixed on 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 Virtual Console, but Bloodlines in particular has been just kind of left out. I, I I could be wrong. Maybe it's on the Japanese. It was on the Japanese Wii Virtual Console, or maybe it's been released some somewhere. But I don't I don't seem to recall it ever being. So um. So yeah, I think those are my my two biggest hopes is that whatever collection ends up coming out, uh, if it's going to be like an older style Castlevania game, I, uh, Castlevania series, I really hope it includes Bloodlines. And if we're talking about newer Metroidvania games, um, I just love to see a collection of the DS games in particular. I mean, I mean, the more the merrier if they want to add more in. <laughs> um, um, but you know, it's uh, I think those are probably the two most underserved products in the Castlevania line. I I I would have to double check um, some of the other ones. I don't know if the MSX two version of Castlevania is uh relatively accessible or not but um but yeah so so one thing I kind of want to just talk about um you know I've, I kind of give you the background and kind of the reasoning for this episode and, and my hopes with that Castlevania anniversary collection um but one thing I kind of wanted to talk about was um you know the the each the kind of the different eras of Castlevania a little bit um um so I think the one that people are most familiar with is obviously the Metroidvania school of design that kind of came from Symphony the Symphony of the Night, along with, uh, uh, you know, Metroid also existing in there. It makes up the part of the name for a reason. Um, and I, I, I uh, you know, I think those, those style of games are, are probably the more interesting aspects of the series at this point. Uh, you know, Symphony of the Night is a game that I have kind of mixed feelings on, mainly because it kind of falls into that same area that, like, A Link to the Past falls falls for me, where the Symphony of the Night was, like, a great, uh, a great like uh, blue blueprint piece for for what the Metroidvania Castlevanias would be like, and and since then all the other Castlevanias released on Game Boy Advance and on Nintendo DS have have built upon um, um, what that game has done and added their own individual unique aspects. So so when you go back to Symphony of the Night, um, it's it's a very uh, vanilla game in that regard where where it, it it's 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 the core it's it's the core and then nothing built on top of it because that's what the core was. That's where the core came from. Um, um, so Symphony of the Night is a game that I, I've been I've been kind of middled on. I, I have had a couple friends who who have expressed uh, kind of dissatisfaction in the Inverted Castle, saying that part of the game is uh, a little tedious, uh, especially like navigating that world and just kind of feels like you know a, a way to you know extend the game to an extent that it might have been a bit too excessive. I don't know if I agree with that. I really want to sit down and replay through Symphony of the Night again. But I do know, you know, what 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 is, is interesting about that game to me probably more than anything is just the sheer diversity and weaponry in that game. Um, and, you know, that's something that carries on to the further ones. But the, the introduction of just, like, the, tons of different weapons, all these swords that work in different ways. And uh, and I feel like the developers really had to get creative in, in how each of those weapons feel it. It feels a lot like, you know, more of a modern loot game, like a Fancy Star Online, where, where, or like a, like a, you know, the Monster Hunter style games, where, where, you know, the, how, how a weapon controls, um, really adds a lot of variety to, to the gameplay. And, um, and, you know, it's always just fun to sit there and swap between weapons. Sometimes you just want to put a weapon on because it's cool, even if it's not like, 
you know, the, the highest damaging thing. I will say at one point, um, with like the, the chakrams, I think they're called chakrams. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry. Um, and then like the, there's like a, there's like a sword that's kind of like a wind sword in front of you. Uh, what inevitably ends up happening when I play something the night is once I get those things and get two of them, I just kind of like feather my finger back and forth between the square and circle button and just sit there and have like a field of death in front of me at all times <laughs> rather than like, cause I basically don't have any kind of like inter animation that interrupts interrupts Alucard's movement or anything so so you can just keep moving while you while you throw them or slash them uh so that inevitably is is generally what ends up happening for me um um but you know it's it, it's been a while so so I want to sit down and, and spend some time with that but uh yeah I think the Game Boy Advance games are, are some of the more more uh interesting in terms of like just just kind of just trying to figure out like what what exactly made Sit Through the Night work like Castlevania uh Circle of the Moon is made by the uh Castlevania 64 team or or at least sorry not the casting 64 team i should say but the same studio so it's a uh, konami Computer entertainment kobe and and you do see some of the blood of that in that game and specifically in like the music and stuff there's some castlevania 64 music that shows up in that game um and I really like what the uh, Circle of the Moon does in terms of like adding diversity to how the um, how the drops in that game work. Basically, there's like these card this card system, and uh, you can you can combine different cards to create different attacks and uh, spells and like like different weapons even because your base weapon's a whip in that game. So it really creates this unique kind of. Um, uh, uh, system where where if you pick up one card, it kind of unlocks you know more than just a a single new weapon. It, it unlocks as many new things as you have cards in your in your deck, and so you can you can just start you know doing all these combinations. And so each each weapon is just like a or each new card is like a time of experimentation. I, I like that a lot about Circle of the Moon, and um and then uh, Harmony of Dissonance. I I'm not super familiar with Harmony of Dissonance, but some of the, the more interesting arguments I've heard about the game is that there's just like an interesting sub weapon system in that game. Sub weapons haven't very been as important in Castlevania. I feel like since uh since Area of Sorrow which we'll get to later but um but yeah it's uh basically you get like all these elemental orbs I, mean, I guess all these there's like three or four I think and uh and then when you pick up a sub weapon depending on what elemental orb you have like equipped to it I believe I'm, I'm hoping I'm remembering this quite correctly for this one I'm again I'm not super familiar with Harm Harmony of Dissonance it's been a very long time uh depending on what kind of uh elemental orb you have on it it, it affects how the sub weapon works so you get these a lot of these big flashy you know sometimes screen filling sub weapon attacks that, you know, like if you're familiar with Hydro Storm and, and Sith of the Night, imagine that, but with like with every every sub weapon with like multiple effects, depending on what element you have equipped. And, and I, th I think that's an interesting thing. And then Area of Sorrow just probably, um, you know, I would say Area of Sorrow is the best Castlevania game. It, it really introduced the soul system, which in addition um, to, you know, the, the variety of swords and stuff you can get in, in Area of Sorrow or in, in Castlevania games, in the Metroidvania games, uh, it really just kind of breaks open the wall of what's possible with the stuff you get from enemies because the souls have no limits, really. They can, they can kind of do anything because um, they're not they're not represented by some physical form or some logic sometimes it's just like you know how how is this, this soul going to affect you know the world sometimes it's as simple as throwing cur curry or something like that or it's like summoning a large beast that, who appears behind you and attacks with you and things like that and so so area of sorrow is probably my favorite and and i think it's probably was the one who built on the series the most in terms of um you know the the the, the type of content you expect from like from collecting 
the the loot the loot driven part of the game it's probably the biggest development in that um the ds games i think are a bit a bit uh more mellow in the kind of changes they make uh donna sorrow there's nothing particular about it i think really with donna sorrow it's it's very much a re- another execution of area of sorrow and i'd say probably to some extent probably not as well implemented but i can't quite remember why i felt that way it's been a while but uh presentation wise it just brings that that series back up to to pace with like Symphony of the night the ds doesn't have the greatest sound um but but like visually uh uh donna sorrow is just a very impressive looking uh ds game and that's something that carries through with uh in the future games uh portrait of ruin i think what's most interesting about that game and i'm gonna start probably going pretty fast here because you know i'm only talking on the metroidvania games and i want to talk about more than just that um uh portrait of ruin is fascinating because there's like a uh, the, the out of castle exploration is, it, it's not a coherent out of castle spe- exploration, which you would expect with, a like, which you would expect. I didn't mean to say that with like, if you watch my Shaman King episode, which comes out tomorrow, I believe as, as of this recording, um, on my YouTube. So if you're listening, uh, and it's Tuesday, go ahead and watch my Shaman King video, but Shaman King does something interesting where it's like, it creates this world where, uh, it feels like kind of, uh, explore, it has a more of a, a cohesive feeling world that you're exploring. Portrait of Ruin is just like here, jump in the paintings, like a Mario 64 thing. And it takes you to a different world. But, uh, but you know, in the Castlevania franchise, you know, some, since Cynthia the Night, you were really stuck at the castle. So there's a lot of time where, where there wasn't a lot of variety in the backgrounds and Portrait of Ruin really reintroduced that stuff. There's also the dual character system, but that didn't really survive beyond that game uh and then order of ecclesia i would say you know it's it's it tries a bit more of like creating a cohesive world outside of the castle it does have like kind of a town and like these different environments you go to but i don't i don't think it does it nearly as well as shaman king did i won't talk about shaman king too much because there's a video out this week but but yeah uh otherwise the order of ecclesia there's not a lot that i think is particularly fascinating about that game other than just like there's a lot of a lot of new like I feel like the production values for Order of Ecclesia are very high, which is it's surprising for a game that was kind of like the the dying breath of the Metroidvania or Egovania Castlevania um, series. So, so I started with Metroidvania just because I kind of rolled into there, but uh, but older Castlevania is something I I definitely came to after Met- the Metroidvania series, um um, and I was a little worried that I wasn't going to be super into it, uh, but I I picked up Castlevania three on Virtual Console, and I I. There are things I like about that game a lot, but it's uh it's incredibly challenging. The American version is incredibly deadly to the player. Um, um, you know, but I, I think there's a a very and this is true of the original Castlevania on NES. So I'll just kind of wrap these two into the same to some extent. So Castlevania one and Castlevania three, there's a very um distinct uh uh movement and and uh deliberateness to like the attacks and things like that in that series because there's it's like the 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 main characters are like these solid rocks that are that slowly slide across the floor and then also when they jump like slam back down and 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 you know the whip attack is like this this not just a immediate slash slice it's like a a long drawn out animation and and so everything about that game just feels a little slow in a way that you would think would make a bad game but somehow it works and i think a lot of it has to do with uh just the impact it feels like so so all that stuff makes it feel like your character has a lot of impact when they're jumping when they're attacking it, it, it gives you a sense of of weight of that character that you might not get in like a Mega Man. Like I would say, a Mega Man's a very floaty feeling game in some ways, not in a bad way. Um, it's just like you have no real sense of the weight of Mega Man. Where where with like a Simon Belmont, you feel that man, you know, 
moving around in that game. Um, um, and and I think that's what's most interesting about Castlevania 1 and 3, just getting that feel, nailing that feel down. I don't know many other games, NES games, that really, really do a good job of portraying the weight of the character without feeling cumbersome to play. Um, I think that's what's fascinating about those games. I haven't played Castlevania 2, so I can't give you anything about that, nor the uh, MSX version of Castlevania. I think it's called Vampire Killer or something like that. That'd be interesting to look at someday. If, you don't, if you're not familiar, there's an MSX release of the original Castlevania. It's kind of similar to Castlevania 2, um, but it was released around the same time as the original Castlevania, so there's, there's kind of an interesting history there between what's happening with those games. Someday, maybe. Uh, I think Haunted Castle is the arcade game. I don't know anything about that. Um, I'm now going down a list and looking at some games. Uh, Castlevania The Adventure is actually... I, I forget about this a lot of time, but that was actually my first Game Boy game. Uh, it plays pretty bad. Maybe that's the example of, of a game feeling slow and cumbersome without actually... You know, it has the weight of Castlevania, but but it doesn't necessarily play well. But I need to I need to go back and revisit that game. As a kid, I was not super into it, but uh, it's got some decent music, actually, so... So yeah, recently uh, around the time the Bloodstain demo came out, if you if you don't know Bloodstain, which I have a hard time imagining listening to this and and, and not knowing Bloodstain, that's uh, Igarashi's new new um, uh, Castlevania like game. So Igarashi being the dude who worked on the Metroidvania style Castlevania games, most of them. Um, uh, but Super Castlevania 4, I played around that time, um, and there was something interesting I, I kind of noted uh, between that was similar with Bloodstain is that uh. Uh, Super Castlevania 4 adds a lot of, like, reach to the character. So in Bloodstain, if you don't know, you can kind of, like, uh, rotate spells around your character at free will. So it gives, it gives this, like, layer of control that you typically aren't used to in Castlevania. You're almost always, like, kind of trying to reposition yourself in Castlevania by jumping or, 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 you know, like, just moving around the environment to get in and slice an enemy or something like that. Um, um, and Bloodstain, you can kind of like, if somebody's above you, you can just like point your hand up and shoot a fireball at them and you just deal damage that way. Uh, Castlevania 4 does something very similar where you you can whip in, a, uh, I think it's all eight directions. And, and so it gives you a lot of, uh, like ability to, to kind of circumvent the, the design of the game. And I, I feel like the, the level design doesn't evolve to fit this control style. Um, you, you really just get a lot of like cheap hits on enemies. And, and I'm not gonna say Castlevania 4 is an easy game. It's definitely challenging still in the, in the like whole, uh, if you're if you're not familiar with early Castlevania games, they're they're very challenging in the sense that there's a lot of insta death pits around you, and getting hit by a an enemy, even like the weakest bat or something, can can mean certain death to you. So Castlevania Four definitely still has that. But when it comes to the combat, uh, there's a lot of times where you can just kind of like kill someone from below them, or or get an angle to kind of exploit the enemy's attack patterns because they have they haven't really had their design evolved to to fit uh the the belmont's new skill set i think that's the biggest problem with that game is just it feels like the character there's a mismatch between the characters and the world design that they didn't really think through what giving you know uh simon this this reach would really do to the game and it kind of trivializes a lot of the game and i i have a hard time really liking super castlevania 4 because of that which i think i think i think maybe the the opinion on super castlevania 4 has kind of mellowed out over years but i feel like for a while it was kind of like considered to be a a top tier castlevania and i think that's maybe less so of a case these days but maybe just i haven't heard people talking about it as much um uh, I'm going to skip all the Game Boy Castlevania games. Otherwise, I haven't played the other ones. Someday we'll sit down and play them. I need to pick up some copies. I don't know how much they are. They might be expensive. 
I'm not sure. They're all all very similar to the you know the more original style of Castlevania in in terms of what I understand uh, regarding them. Uh, in terms of Rondo of Blood, I haven't played the original Rondo of Blood, but I have played Dracula X Chronicles on the PSP. I think what's interesting about uh, uh, or Dracula X Chronicles specifically is that uh, it does a a really good job of evolving um, the character's moveset while not still losing that that weightiness. So, so if you're not familiar, Richter Belmont in that game has like the ability to do like a a backflip jump, these like slide attacks and things. There's 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 these interesting movement options in that in that game and um and yet when they give them to you they never feel overpowered or anything like that i would say in some ways it might honestly feel a little underwhelming in terms of how you can use it because the game just isn't really just maybe it's another case like castlevania 4 where like the game just isn't really designed around those mechanics very well but when you do find places to use though it's use that though it's uh incredibly satisfying but uh i think most at the end of the day the biggest thing about dracula x is that it has a a pretty solid story in terms of like you know it's still the usual castlevania just like hey man i'm dracula i got a lady here and then your belmont being like yeah i gotta go i gotta go kill that dracula get my lady um it has some uh the, the dracula x port for psp in particular dracula x chronicles has some silly voice acting at times it's maybe not as bad as you would hope it would be to some extent but um but there's definitely like things where like you have to kill somebody who became a vampire who's like this person that's very close to to richter and and like he finds out they're a vampire now and he's like well you know what I do to, to to vampires, don't you? And just like murders them right on the spot, like no sympathy. It's pretty pretty silly and fantastic of just like a very poor delivery. I don't know. In my mind, I just like imagine him dressed up as like a cowboy saying that now. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's um. But yeah, I haven't gotten to Rondo of Blood to to see what that game's like yet. I picked up the PS4 release of it a while ago, but just haven't put the time into it, unfortunately. But Dracula X is is interesting. I need to revisit the Dracula X Chronicles on PSP, uh, which is like a 3D... Like I, I... I've explained this, but I'll explain it in a bit more detail. It's like a 3D remake of, of Rondo of Blood in terms of like 3D... 2.5D, like 3D graphics, but 2D gameplay. Um... Uh, there's a mode in there with Maria that I haven't played, and apparently she has some unique dialogue and story information. So, so I really need to sit down and play through that again. So maybe that's something we'll do on stream at some point. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit un, uncertain of wh- when I want to retackle that, but I'd like to retackle it someday. So, so we'll see. Um, speaking of, of of 3D graphics, though, uh, I think the 3D Castlevanias are are some of the more fascinating divergences in the series mainly because like none of them ever really fully formed an identity um there was never the sympathy of the night moment for for the 3d castlevanias and uh, i think castlevania 64 in particular is a fascinating one because it comes from a time is like developed alongside um you know sympathy of the night and uh or not alongside but they were they were, they were pretty much in the same realm of, of development where they couldn't really influence each other very much um, and so Castlevania 64 is more structured like the original series of games. So it had a lot of that like melee action platforming that I feel like a lot of 3D games don't do mainly because it's a bit too hectic probably. It's very, I think, taxing on the player to to have to combat foes while also platforming in an environment where it's like, um, you know, 
it, you're surrounded by instant death. It's not just the the hole that's in front of you or the hole that's behind you. It's like you have to consider an entire environment around you. And I, I think it's really intense for a player to try to take that stuff in. So so but I think that what what Castlevania 64 does really well is it like kind of does a sliding scale between like how much of a level has platforming, how much the level has action, and then finds like all these different points to kind of challenge you at, at different levels of of difficulty of either the platforming side or the combat side and and uh makes each level feel unique that they they have um you know unique challenges in them there's some uh, levels that are more puzzle focused some that are more exploration focused some that are more combat focused and other ones that are just almost straight platformers um um, and they find a lot of ways to, to to vary those levels of designs not only in that design but also in their 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 aesthetics and things like that uh legacy of darkness i think largely falls into that same space with the exception of i think there's maybe too many puzzles possibly i want to replay it soon possibly maybe uh before i do the Castlevania 64 video i'm a bit unsure uh how that's going to work out but but uh, Legacy of Darkness, I think, is a game that in some ways is a, a technically better game than Castlevania 64, but um, it's basically just using the same engines. Like, honestly, often it's like a director's cut to Castlevania 64, but I don't think it necessarily means it's better because they change a lot of the level design in that game, and I think some of them may have been changed for the worse. But uh, Castlevania 64 and Legacy of Darkness is something that's going to be, uh, I think, gone in a lot more in-depth once I make the video on it, so... So don't worry too much about me just kind of... I guess I talked a lot about it, at least in, in at the same amount that I'm talking about all these other games. Um, Lament of Innocence, I'm, I'm, I'm not su- such a huge fan of. Um, I'm not a big fan of character action games, and that's what this game feels like it's pulling most from, games like, uh, like a Devil May Cry or something like that. Although, you know, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if those games were like coming out at the same time or, or if they had any time to influence each other. But Castlevania, 60, or Castlevania Legacy of Darkness definitely has like Cynthia the Night elements of exploration, but it is just kind of like 3D hack and slash beat a bunch of enemies up. There's not much platforming in it. There are, there are some obstacles, but they're not, I would say they're not very well implemented from what I remember. And they're, they're kind of janky to deal with, but they're, they're so rarely used. It's, it's not usually a, a problem um curse of darkness in some ways feels kind of the kind of more of that but it's also a really weird because there's like a pet system in it and um and there's a like a weird amount of fans for curse of darkness which i think is really fascinating um um there's a lot of like strange stuff in that game like you can collect chairs and and do a bunch of mini games with your like your minions it's i i really need to revisit that game because i remember it being pretty straightforward but but over the years, I've seen people, you know, talk about that game and how weird it is. And you look at the stuff they post and like, yeah, that's a weird game. Um, I do like the voice acting a lot, though. I think it's like Lament of Innocence on the PS2 had a bunch of voice acting. But I think it's it's pretty on par with what you'd expect for a lot of late 90s, early 2000s kind of bad voice acting. Uh, around mid-2000s, I think Konami had like a decent track record of like average voice acting, ga- like games with average voice acting, nothing like amazing. But I think Curse of Darkness really does at least fit the um, the like play style uh, of voice acting I think they're going for. You know, like something I always say with like play style acting is that, you know, it's a, it's a medium that doesn't have uh, or was not intended to have microphones or like video cameras and things like that. So it's a lot of a character having to vocalize how they feel and what what they're doing and so there's a lot of like you know loud boisterous over the top um you know explanation of feelings and 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 trying to show emotion and and i think curse of darkness as well as dracula x chronicles on psp uh really try to pull from that 
Um, and, and and I think at least Curse of Darkness, I think, does a very good job of pulling from that. It's interesting. The lip syncing is actually done for the English dialogue. The Japanese voice acting is not lip synced in Curse of Darkness, which is a, a fascinating thing. And then there's the Lord of Shadow series. Uh, Lords of Shadow 1, I, I played through it a couple times. I, I'm not a huge fan of it, which is funny because I say I played through it a couple times. I might have to play through it again if I ever want to do a video on it because I need footage of it sometimes. Um, um, but Lords of Shadow 1, you know, it's a very straightforward... I remember a lot of people at the time were compared to God of War, but I've never played a God of War myself. But it does definitely feel like it's being influenced by character action games and things like that. And it feels like a Castlevania game only in name. In a lot of ways, it was a Castlevania game only in name. It, it was announced as a Castlevania game pretty late after it was revealed. Um, um, some, of the, some of the character names are the same, but there, there's very little connection... Um, but I feel like Mirror of Fate, I never played Mirror of Fate, but like I've seen, I saw the story summary in Lords of Shadow 2 kind of pulls all that stuff back into more like a Castlevania style of, uh, of storytelling. There's like this, this weird, um, I don't know what it is. Like I'd say it's like cheesy horror that Castlevania story typically fulfills. Like there's a lot of really silly stuff in like Castlevania 64 where it's like a lady that comes out and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm here to water the, the white roses. And then you look around, it's all red roses. And then she like pours her watering can, has blood in it. And it's like, hell yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like that kind of stuff. And, and Lords of Shadow too. And, and what it seems like in Mirrors of Fate has a lot of that like really, really over the top, cheesy, campy horror and twists and stuff. And there's like a really weird story with Alucard in that game. Um, that I really want to explore more once that once I get to Mirror of Fate, which I think it's also on PS3. I think you can get it, and it's on a PS3, which is kind of neat. Um, 3DS seemed like a weird platform for that game, but that's where it, where it ended up. Oh, it's a lot of talking. Didn't talk about Kid Dracula series. Don't know if I'll ever play that game. I would like to someday, maybe. I don't have a working uh, NES or Famicom. So uh, that's that's kind of all the picture. I don't know how much it costs either. I think the American release of uh, Kid Dracula for Game Boy is fairly not expensive, but I think it's it is a desired item. Um, so it's it's not something that's like super easily available. But yeah, Castlevania as a whole is like I think it's a fascinating series because it has a lot of variations on it. Um, you know, it's 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 constantly maybe not constantly, but there's like you know the game. From the beginning with Castlevania, you know, Castlevania and the MSX Castlevania, they, they diverged in styles, like, right from the beginning. And so you end up with these more RPG-like Castlevanias and the more, like, you know, common action platforming Castlevanias. But then they just continued to splinter, like, in the 16-bit era, uh, you know, Bloodline, Super Castlevania 4, and, and Rondo of Blood are all kind of their own thing. And, um, and then it just continues to splinter from there until you hit the Metroidvania school of design. Then the portable entries kind of line up in that regard. Um, but then even, even when that happened, 3D Castlevania was still trying to kind of figure out what it was. So, so 3D Castlevanias are, are really different from what the Metroidvania games are. And, and those games were constantly evolving, uh, to try to try to find an audience for them. Um, you know, you have three very distinct 3D Castlevania series, and in some ways, I, I, you could probably argue four if you want to separate Lament of Innocence and Curse of Darkness on the PS2. Yeah, it's a franchise I really like, and I'd like to spend more time with it. I didn't mention Castlevania uh, Adventure uh, Rebirth on WiiWare. I do have that as well, but I have, have not put any time into it. It's like a remake of the Game Boy game, but I think in, in the extent that it is basically unrecognizable from the original Game Boy game. So, 
yeah, I'd like to do more Castlevania stuff soon. Uh, I'm definitely working on trying to get a Castlevania 64 video done. But uh, after that, I'm not really sure what the what the plan is for the series. Uh, uh, you know, I, I there's some things I'd like to, to, to revisit sometimes, but I don't know how passionate I am to to make a video about them or anything like that. So so we'll see. Anyways, thanks for coming this week. Like I said earlier, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, I don't know what the date number it is for that, but um, uh, Shaman King Master of Spirits series uh, uh, video will be up. If you're a fan of Castlevania, check out that Shaman King video. It's built off the Area of Sorrow engine and does some very fascinating things on its own. Um, it, it has quite a few design decisions that, that d distance itself from Castlevania, but it's still, still kind of within that, that, that house of design, you know, it's a game also by Konami. Um, so I, I highly recommend Castlevania fans checking out Shaman King Master of Spirits, uh, videos going up again tomorrow. Uh, other than that, I should be back in town, so I should be able to stream on Thursday. I think the plan for this week, unless things change, again, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this a ways out, but I think the plan is to stream some Japanese PS1 and PS2 games. So um, so we'll spend some time doing that, and then, uh, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I'm a bit undecided on what to do with spy fiction at the moment. Um, we may we may play through Sheila's story. We may not. I looked up the footage and it looks fairly uh, straightforward in terms of being pretty similar to Billy's story uh, or, or Billy's gameplay. It's the story that seems the dialogue in particular seems to be what changes. Um, so the dialogue is more centered around Sheila rather than Billy, obviously. But Billy is a character that already didn't talk a lot in that game, so I feel like it probably will be like a few key cutscenes that will differentiate and not much more. So. So yeah, and then I think uh, after that, maybe Resident Evil 7. Again, not, not setting that in stone, but maybe we'll put some time into that. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, thanks again for coming, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.